All right. We are one week away from Christmas. What? Right? Like, does anybody feel like, wait a minute, really? Like, is anybody there with me? Yes? No? If you're not, good for you. For me, I'm like, what? It's already Christmas? Like, time has been flying by uh, in this season, and here at New Hope, we're celebrating Christmas at New Hope, and, um, and we, we're digging into Luke because we've been going through Luke all fall, and we jumped back to Luke chapter 1 last week. If you missed last week's message, and you've ever been in a season where you've waited on God or you felt like God has been silent, um, you need to watch last week's message, okay? If that's been you, go back, watch it online. All of our stuff's on YouTube. You can go there, and, uh, because it was a really uh, encouraging message for a lot of people. I got a lot of comments on like God using that. And for you, you may need that in this season as well. Well, today um, we are jumping into Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I always say, what, bring them with you, right? Um, Whether it's uh, you got the digital version in your pocket on your phone, open up your Bible app. If you got a a physical Bible, way to go. You know, open that thing up to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to hop in there in just a minute, okay? So we'll get there in just a minute. Um, I heard a story this week about a guy that was traveling uh, a few years back, and this is way before COVID, and travel was really busy and crazy, and he was trying to get home for Christmas. And unfortunately, weather was keeping him stuck, so he had delayed flight after delayed flight, and, and he was waiting in the airport, already flustered and frustrated, and, and the entire airport was full of people, like all the chairs were full, and he just wanted to sit somewhere and take a break from this crazy travel. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to get a coffee. And so he goes to the little shop, he gets coffee, and he grabs one of those small little bag of donuts. You know those little donuts that are just, you just one at a time, just pop them in. And he's looking so forward to finally just sitting, reading his, his uh, magazine, and, and just spending that time just whoo, trying to breathe. And so he grabs his coffee, grabs his donuts, and he's looking around, and he doesn't see any seats available anywhere. And he's like mm, so frustrated until he sees this one pub table in the corner with only one guy sitting on one side of it. And he's thinking, well, since everybody's sitting everywhere, I'm just going to sit on the other side of that pub table, and, and I just need a spot to sit. So he goes, he grabs his stuff, grabs his, all his things, he piles it on the floor next to him, and, and he sets his coffee on the table, and then there's a bag of donuts there. And, and so he's like, oh, finally. And so he sits down, he opens his magazine, and, uh, and he just kind of looks across you know, to this other guy sitting there and just gives him the, you know, the nod, like, like it's crazy, right? And the, the other guy just gives him the nod, like, yeah, you know, crazy. And so he sits down and, and he opens up this bag of donuts and he has his coffee and he starts reading, he grabs a donut and he eats it and, uh, and he's sitting there reading. All of a sudden, the other guy sitting across from him, he reaches over and grabs a donut out of the bag and, and takes one and eats it. And he's like, okay, you know, this is kind of weird and awkward like um okay so he kind of pulls it back closer to himself a little bit and uh, and he keeps reading and just kind of get, puts himself in his magazine that he's reading and he reaches grab a donut and a little bit later the guy across from him reaches over <laughs> grabs a donut bag and and just eats it and he's like by this point he's like this is uh, this is kind of rude isn't it like these are my donuts this is what i've been waiting to do to sit down and do this and and again it, it happened a couple more times and he's like what? <laughs> he doesn't know what to do you know he's kind of like do i like confront this guy but like we're all a little cranky and that might not go well and so he's like okay just whatever and uh, and finally um the guy sitting across from stands up and he's getting ready because he has to go to his gate his flight's about to go he stands up he reaches in the back for one more donut he breaks the last donut in half, puts the other half back in, and eats that half, and then he heads off and doesn't, you know, he doesn't say anything. At this point, he's like, what is the, how rude, right? 
He's like frustrated and angry at this guy by like, these were my donuts. This is what I was going to do. And I was stressed out. I was wanting to relax. And you're here eating my donuts. And he's like, I'm not going to eat that other half. I don't know where his hands have been. And that's just, so he like shoves him, shoves him to the corner. And he's just sitting there for a little while longer, just pondering. I was like, what is this guy's deal? Well, a little bit later, it's time for him to go to his gate. So he gets all his stuff off of the counter and he reaches down to his bag and he sees his bag of donuts on the floor next to his stuff. And he realizes <laughs> he had been eating the other guy's donuts the entire time. And the other guy didn't say anything. What? He didn't realize the generosity and the gift that the guy sitting across from him the entire time. He was angry. Now I'm wondering, as we get to the holiday season, do we miss, do we miss the gift that's right in front of us? Do we go through Christmas season and just get tired and grumpy and, and things just keep us busy and ah, we miss the most important thing right in front of us. The most generous being in the whole universe has given us the greatest gift of all time. And so often we miss it at Christmas because we're busy. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to like go through this season and just, whew, it just passes us by. Christmas, a part of Christmas, is about gift giving, right? It's about the joy of receiving gifts and giving gifts. And a part of that story that we see is this, that this Christmas, let's look at the gift of God because God is the best gift giver there ever was. If you've got your fill in the blanks, that's number one, okay? Um, God is the greatest gift giver of all time, Right? We see this in a couple passages, and I just want to throw these passages out there, like John 3.16, a big one that a lot of people have heard, whether you've been to church or not, maybe you've seen John 3.16 on a banner at a football game or something. Like, this is the, the thing. For God so loved the world that he, what, that he, say with me, gave, that he gave. What did he give? His one and only son. What a gift. Oh my goodness. We saw it prophesied 700 years before Jesus showed up in Isaiah 9.6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is what? given. God is the ultimate gift giver. He's given the ultimate gift for us, and I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to get into the season just grumpy and tired and anxious by the task list and the things we got to do and the places we got to go. In reality, I'm, I'm, I'm talking more to the ladies in the room than the men, because women carry more of the weight of the tasks of the list in this season. Can I get any men from the ladies? And you men need to step it up. We had a conversation this morning in our own household that that was an issue. Like, we need to step it up, man, right? We, we got we to gotta be the ones that also help carry the weight. But the problem overall, though, is in the midst of the task and the busy. Will all of us miss what this season is all about? God has given us the greatest gift happened in Bethlehem when a virgin gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. The greatest gift delivered. Right? And we're going to read in Luke chapter 2 the announcement of this gift. We're going to see how people responded to this gift because there's really, there's only four responses that there are to this gift that God did. And, and if you were there in that moment in Bethlehem, you'll see these four responses, right? Here, here are the four, <clears throat> excuse me, four responses. Four ways people respond to God's gift, this gift that when Jesus showed up in Bethlehem. The first one is just indifference, right? Like, some of the leaders might have heard about or spiritual leaders might have even heard, oh, yeah, there's a baby born in Bethlehem, but like they were like, it's no big deal, right? They're just indifferent about it, like whatever, you know, it doesn't affect me at all. It's no big deal. Um, so they're just indifferent about this gift because they're like, 
it's, it, maybe it's not for me, it's not for, I don't know, it's just a baby. It is what it is, right? And we can still see these same responses today to this gift that's been given, right? Indifference, like, well, it doesn't affect me any, I'll just keep going on with my life. It is what it is. And at Christmas, we can become just indifferent, right? Just because we want to survive the season, we can become indifferent. Uh, the second one is <clears throat> ignorance, right? There were people in Bethlehem that had no idea what happened in Bethlehem that night. You know, there were people who were just there. They were coming back for the census. It was crowded in Bethlehem. All the rooms were full, we learned. You know, all the houses, all the extra rooms in people's homes, all the family came back to Bethlehem because of a census. And so the place is packed, and they're probably more thinking about, I just need a good night's sleep. That was a long journey. We're all here together. Like, they were just ignorant. They didn't know what they didn't know, right? And there were millions of people on the planet that just didn't know. They were just ignorant about this gift that God brought in this moment in Bethlehem. What God did for them and what God brought in this moment. Or it gets even worse because there were those that responded in resistance. They heard about a baby being born. They heard like this king, uh, the king of the Jews, what? And these prophecies and like, and they were resisting. Think about King Herod in the story because King Herod, like he wanted to be king and the only king that was the king he wanted to be king of his own life and the king of everybody else's life. And he said, no, there will be no other king. And so that's when he said, all the Jewish babies, all the babies, the firstborn boys are going to be killed. He was so threatened that he gave absolute resistance to try to annihilate this whole king thing. And there's still those today that are trying to kill the gift making sure the gift doesn't go where it needs to go. And there's things in your life, actually, probably people in situations that cause resistance and push against the truth of what God's done. Or we can do what we're going to see today in the Scripture in Luke chapter 2, and then that is acceptance. We're going to read about in a moment. The Magi that showed up later on accepted this gift, and they gave gifts to the family and to Jesus, Right? And we're going to learn about two characters that aren't probably in your nativity scene, Simeon and Anna, but they were the ones that received and accepted this gift and even prophesied over this baby Jesus. How will you respond this season? What will your reaction to this gift be this season? Grumpy, tired, can't wait for a nap, um, maybe indifferent or ignorant or resistant, or are you going to walk into full acceptance? of what God has done for us this season. That's that, I'm starting with a challenge. I usually don't do that. But maybe I should just pray and let's we'll just go home. Which one are you going to do, right? Amen. All right. Mm, Lord. Right. No, no, no. We're going to get into it, okay? We're going to read and see how, um, how some people uh, responded to the gift, okay? So we're, let's hop into it then. Let's hop into Luke chapter 2 and, and see those that accepted this gift, the, the ones that Jesus, or that, that God himself chose to show the gift to, right? Like God had a plan in all of this and, and who showed up, when they showed up, and the whole Christmas story that we celebrate in this moment in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, okay? So here we go. Everybody with me? If you are, say yep. All right, Luke chapter 2. Um, we're going to start in verse 10 and just read a part of this. We're going to actually spend more time later down on verse 22 in the following. That's where we're going to hang out for the most part. But I wanted to get us there um, to see, see this awesome gift. And so we see this scene um, in, in um, chapter 2, verse 10. Angels all of a sudden show up to these shepherds. These shepherds are just doing their job at night in the fields. Stinky, dirty, nasty. Like, that's what they did. They're out all the time. They're living with sheep. And, um, and, 
and they're just out there doing their thing. All of a sudden, angels show up. Now, remember, every single time so far when an angel shows up, everybody's scared out of their mind, right? Like, so <laughs> we talked about Zachariah a, a couple of weeks ago. It's like, he's like, he's like, boo, you know, angel. Hey, what's up? It's me, Gabriel. And so the first things they say is, do not, yeah, do not be afraid, right? It's like, don't be scared. I'm here. It's okay. I, I came from God's presence. So, so we see that again. And so, but the angel said to them, what? Do not be afraid. So all these shepherds are sitting there and he's saying, don't freak out. This is not an alien invasion, right? They didn't have the movies back then. I don't know if they told stories, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, no, no, don't be afraid. I bring you, say this with me. I bring you good news, right? Like this is, we're bringing, we're the messengers. We're the one that gets to bring the good news. Talk about the highest job of an angel, right? Gabriel, like he had one of the biggest jobs going from the presence of God to bring the good news to Zechariah, bring the good news, right, to, um, to Mary. He's the good news maker, right? And so now we see this other angel showing up and saying, we're going to bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Don't miss this sentence. Sometimes we can read the story and we're like, okay, I know what happened. And yeah, I've got that in my nativity scene. And yeah, yeah I see the angels. And, they, oh, and, it's like, ah, and they start singing glory to God in the highest. Right? Like they start praising God in that moment. And then they disappear in, in that moment. But we miss sentences like this. What a great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, look at this, has been born to who? To you. Or maybe your translation says for you. Either way, he's talking to shepherds. He's talking to some of the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to culture and society. Like, these shepherds weren't the owners of the sheep. They just took care of the sheep for the rich people. They didn't have a lot of clout in the community, and they did. They just, they were hard workers. They were the ones that nobody really noticed. They noticed when they messed up, probably. Oh, you lost a few sheep. Well, that's not good, right? But that's who the angels, that's who God decided was going to bring this message of the good news of great joy that the Messiah is born to you, for you. And I want us to understand what God was saying when he said that. This was announced not to the temple, not to the spiritual leaders. It wasn't to the Pharisees. It wasn't, it was announced to the average Joe. Because God came for the average Joe. He came for us. He came for all of us. That's why the great birth announcement went to shepherds. And so the shepherds, like, they're like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. So what did they do? Let's, let's hop a few uh, verses here. So in verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. It says, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Of course they were. They were probably amazed that it was shepherds that were saying it. They're like, what? what? You guys are shepherds. Oh, you probably, you know, uh, you were drinking a little something last night, weren't you out in the field just to stay warm? And like, you're probably like, a mm, little, mm, I don't know, right? They probably excused it away because of who it was. It wasn't in the temple saying, this is what the Lord has told us. And so now we're going to tell you, and then you're going to tell. It's like, no, it came from the bottom up. Because Jesus came from the bottom up. Do you understand that? We're going to see some things about Mary and Joseph. We're going to see some things about 
where they were on the totem pole of, of culture and society, right? They weren't high up there. And then this key phrase right here says, but Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in their heart. We see this a couple times in the Christmas story where it says this about Mary, that she treasured these things, right? She stored them up and she pondered them in their heart. She, she thought about them. She just let them kind of mull over, you know, in her thoughts and in her life. Like, who, what is happening in this moment? What is going on? I love this picture of treasuring and pondering. We don't do that very much in, in our culture today. Right? When good things happen, we celebrate it for a moment, and then we move on to the next. We, we don't know how to treasure and ponder. We don't know how to stop and wait and just listen and, and feel the weight of the goodness of something, right? Like if something good happens, we're, a, a lot of us, honestly, are just waiting for the next bad thing to happen right? We, we think, well, that was good, but something bad's coming, and that's how we live life. Instead, just waiting and, and just resting in the good that did come, the, the good that God did bring. Like, that's what Mary's doing in this moment. Like, she's waiting. She's wondering. It's like this awe and wonder. Remember a few weeks ago that I talked about childlike faith? You guys remember that? This is that imagery I have, I think, for Mary. It's like that childlike faith, which she was young. She was young. We, I mean, we're guesstimating 13, 14. Like, she was young in this scene. And she's just wondering in awe of what she's hearing and what she's experiencing in those words from the shepherd showing up. In a little bit, we're going to see words that come from some people in the temple. She's treasuring and pondering these things. I wonder how much during this season are you treasuring and pondering the gift of God? I would encourage us, let's treasure, let's ponder in our hearts what Christ has done for us. We're going to get an opportunity by the end of this morning to remember it in communion. I think that's the ultimate remembering of what Christ is, why he came for us and what he did for us. And so this is now taking us down to the end of the chapter, okay? That, that was all just prelude to what we're going to read. We're going to read about two characters that I, I didn't, I haven't even, I haven't studied this very much. Like as I was reading it over this last week, so I, just so you know, it's hard for preachers to preach the same sermon every year. Christmas is the same story every year, Right? So like I have to be like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to preach? Like, what are, where are we? What, where are they? Where, what do you want to bring? Like, that's hard sometimes as a pastor. Just, you know, it's not like I don't have this like, oh, and then, you know, kind of thing. I'm not Moses, okay? I don't go up on the mountain and God just glory shows on me. Like sometimes it's like, it's hard work. It's like, okay, God, I, I want to preach your word here. And so going through the Christmas story, I'm surprised of myself that I haven't studied these two characters, Simeon and Anna, that we're going to read about in a moment because they're just in there for a moment. Like, but I don't want us to miss the importance of this part of the scriptures in the Christmas story, okay? So if you're with me, say, yep. Okay, let's hop into this part. Then we're gonna skip down here, I think, to verse 22. So, so you know, Jesus is born, he's in the manger, and then um, they, they do the thing um, where, where this, you know, the ceremonies of what they have to do with the child, and then they do circumcision, and then later on, they do... Um, uh, uh, my brain just went, like a child dedication. They dedicate the child to God. They take him to the temple. And it was a part of the Levitical law. Uh, if you want to read some crazy stuff in the book of Leviticus, um, I, I've, have you ever read Leviticus? Okay, so it's just like, they have to do what? I'm so glad we don't live under the law. Amen, hallelujah, Jesus, right? Like, because like, it's crazy stuff. Read Leviticus 12, and you're like, what, huh? Hmm? Okay, because, okay, I'll stop. Um, so let's hop into this. Uh, that was going to be way rabbit holes trail somewhere. Um, so, 
So now they're coming to the temple, right? In verse 22. Here we go. When the time came then for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. That's Leviticus chapter 12. It says, and then to also offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So there's this process that's happening. They're, they're to take, um, take the child, dedicate the child to the Lord, right? Circumcision's already happened, which is a part of the Jewish uh, cultural thing that set them apart from the rest that separated them from the Gentiles. And then now that there's a point, they're consecrating, they're presenting um, their son to God. And a part of the temple worship was always a sacrifice, Right? Because that sacrifice is what they would use to, to put their sin on that animal, is this imagery. And so then that, that animal would take upon the sin and then be sacrificed, would have to die for their sins for them to be right before God. That's what temple worship was. And so we see this scene that they're coming. Now, if you go back to Leviticus chapter 12, you were actually supposed to bring a firstborn lamb. But they gave an exception to those that couldn't afford that or didn't have sheep. So if you were poor, you could bring just two pigeons or two doves, two small birds. And so we see in this scene, Mary and Joseph, what did they bring? Two pigeons or, two, you know, two, a pair of doves or two young pigeons, which shows us where they were, right? They were not rich at all. They were poor. Actually, we know, like, Mary was a handmaid. Like, she was kind of the lowest on the totem pole of servants in a household. That's who Mary was. And so we see them in this season, Jesus being born, not to a wealthy couple, not to a couple who had great means to do whatever God wanted them to do. Like They were fully dependent on God from day one. In America, we have a hard time living that way because we have way more than we deserve, you know? And we're, even the poorest in the room is more wealthy than um, like 92, 94, 96% of the rest of the world. Like, we don't understand this. Um, but that's where they were. Right? Um, and so here they are doing this uh, moment of temple worship. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. The consolation of Israel, right? This, he's waiting what he heard, read about in Isaiah, what he knows it says in the book of Isaiah. A Messiah is going to be born, a child is going to be given to us. Like, this gift is coming. He, he knew Malachi. Like, okay, here's the prophecies where he, the child's going to be born and what it's going to be like. Like, he's waiting for Israel, right, for the Jews to be consoled, meaning they've had silence from God for 400 years. He's waiting, God, when are you going to bring this Messiah? And the Holy Spirit was on him. That's a powerful phrase. We, we only see that in the Old Testament. Like when that happens, it was very specific. This is before we get to the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit shows up on all of us as Christ followers. Like the Holy Spirit was on certain people for certain situations, for certain reasons, right? And so here's this guy, Simeon. He was obviously, obviously a godly man, a righteous man. A man who prayed to God, who served God, who lived for God. He was righteous and devout, meaning he wasn't giving up on God. He was continuing in his worship of God. So he's waiting. I'm wondering, have you ever, have you ever um, been in a situation where like you had to set up a, a meeting or an appointment with somebody that you never met before? 
You ever had to do that? Like, it's really awkward when it's like a lunch meeting. Like, like I, I've had to do that before. It's like I set up a lunch. I just talk to the person over the phone. Like, yeah, we'll meet here at this time. But like when you get there, you don't know who you're looking for. That can be so awkward, can it? Like, it's really weird if you say, hey, how are, you must be Bill. Like, no, I'm, I'm Fred, and I'm over here. Thank you. Like, like that kind of where it gets really awkward when you try to shake the hand of the wrong person and that kind of thing. Or if you've ever go, gone to, like, a doctor's appointment, but you've never met that doctor before, and you're wondering, like, what kind of doctor they are and what kind of personality they are, right? And it's just going to be like, are they going to be, like, really nice and really well? Or are they going to be like, oh, what's your problem? I don't feel good. Okay. You know, you're like, well, that felt weird, right? Anybody? Okay. Sorry, I didn't want to feel lonely up here. So, so I imagine Simeon, he's waiting for this moment. And he's, I, 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 this is Tim's holy imagination. Like imagine like the Holy Spirit's on you. You know, like the Holy Spirit's revealed to you that it's happened. Like the Savior's here and it's a baby and you're going to be going to the temple every day wondering, right? Like, okay, is it that baby that's getting consecrated? Is it that baby that's getting? So you're like going up to every baby and like looking at them and the parents are like, do I know you? You know, like, like who are you? And they're like, it's, oh, okay, it's not, uh, you're going to be fine, right? But it's like, you're not the savior, right? So like, like keep, I can imagine Simeon waiting and wondering like, which child is it? Which child is it until it is the child, right? Uh, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So the Holy Spirit like revealed, like, you're going to see the Messiah, this Savior that you've been waiting for. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus, um, uh, when they brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the um, custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, I don't know how that happened. If it was like a, okay, this one, this, this one, whoa, ah, you know, like, like he like married, excuse me, like do, who are you? You know, what are you doing with my baby? Have you ever had somebody just grab your baby randomly? You're like, no, you didn't, right? Like, like, like you just did not do that, did you? Like, come on now, um, especially if they're not related to you. And sometimes even if they are related to you, you're like, why did you do that? You know, and so here's, and he's like, this is it. And he praised God. And this is what he said, sovereign Lord. This is like a song he wrote immediately. Like, this is like a worship moment. Sovereign Lord, as, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I mean, that's a sentence, right? This is where, so scholars um, kind of debate this. Like, how old was Simeon? Some of think he was old. We don't really know. But some people think he's old because he's been waiting for this. And he's like, now that I've seen, I can go. Just take me to heaven now, God, right? But we don't know if he was old. We don't know. That doesn't necessarily say that he was old. But he could have been, or he could have been like my age. He could have, I, I don't know. But all I know is that the thing he was waiting for showed up. He's like, okay, now I've, I've seen it. You can take me whenever you want, God, right? You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He speaks prophecy, full of the Holy Spirit, over Jesus. Now imagine being Mary. I mean, Mary's already heard from an angel, right? She, she probably is like, okay, yeah, okay. But she didn't have the whole story. All she knew was, this is going to be God's son, and you're to call him Jesus. I mean, the angel didn't give her a book to read. It was a, just do this thing. And she said, okay, I'm your servant. I mean, talk about submission and obedience right? 
So she didn't know all of what was going to come. And so now she's hearing from Simeon, your son's going to be a light of revelation to who? The Gentiles. Okay, if you're a Jew and you hear that, you're like, excuse me? Right? Because the Jews and the Gentiles didn't mingle, right? They, they, they were in two separate camps. The Jews were the religious, the Gentiles, you're over there. You're the sinners. You're separate. You didn't get the law. You didn't get the gift of God. You didn't get, but we see the Old Testament prophecies. We see what Isaiah says. We see, we see in Malachi that the Messiah isn't just for the Jews. And here Simeon is making this proclamation. He's going to be a light for the Gentiles. And he's already proven it by showing himself and bringing the message to who? The shepherds. Do you get this gift? Do you understand what God has done in this moment and the glory of your people Israel? I mean, the Messiah is coming as the glory of Israel to bring the Gentiles into salvation. The Messiah has come. And mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. And now imagine these words. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be, <clears throat> excuse me, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Talking now. I like the first part. <laughs> you know, I like, the, I like the whole like, oh, you know, he's gonna, he's the salvation, he's the Messiah, this is him. The second part, not so much. You know, like when he talks directly to Mary. Just so you know, Mary. <laughs> what? He's going to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. See, it's not happening yet. I mean, Herod, you know, is starting. You know, there's, there's some murmuring happening over here. But, but to be spoken against, we don't see that till Jesus really fully starts his ministry, Right? And that's what we studied through the book of Luke. All of a sudden, when he starts his ministry, that's when he's spoken against over and over and over again. That's when they wanted to get rid of him. That's when they killed him. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, meaning God through the Messiah is going to reveal hearts. He's not going to hold back. And we see every single time Jesus engaged with somebody, he went straight to the why, the heart. Like, that's where he went. He didn't just look at actions. He knew what they were thinking in the depths of their hearts and a sword will pierce. In this prophecy that Simeon gave, we know what it means. We know at the end, he's hanging on a cross. Mary is watching the whole thing. And a sword pierces her heart, right? Not literally a sword, but like the emotions of the hurt, the loss not being in control of what's going on with your son. All of that weight on her as Mary, right? So we see that these prophecies all do come true <laughs> in the end as Simeon speaks in this moment. This is the foretelling of Jesus' life and ministry and the foretelling of his death and his resurrection. And this is what I don't want us to miss. This isn't just a little baby born in a manger. This is a Messiah, the Savior of the world, of you and me, of shepherds, the dirty, the lowly, of average people like you and me, Gentiles, those who don't belong to the lineage of Israel. Like, this is for all of us. 
And then, and then we see somebody else come into the scene, and there was also a prophet. What was her name? Her name is Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. So now this, this Anna we know is old. It says it, right? So, so like Simeon, we don't know how old he was, but Anna, she's very old, and it gives us very details about how old she was. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years, so she's married for seven years, uh, and then after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. So she was married for seven, then was a widow for that long. I mean, that sounds like a hard life. But that's what happened in her life. And see what she did with that. Day, fasting and praying. She could have chosen two paths, right? One would have been bitterness, anger, frustration. This world has screwed me up. I deserved more than this. This isn't what I vouched for. This, is what I, this isn't what I wanted. This, is, this isn't, I wanted a husband. I wanted kids. I want to live life. That's not what she did. She pointed her attention to God just like Simeon was devout. We see Anna. She is devout to her heavenly father. She worships night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. So now she's coming. So Simeon's already finished saying what he's saying. Now Anna shows up, and she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She starts prophesying. She is a prophet of God. This is an interesting thing, and I'm not going to get into it too much, but it's interesting. She's a woman and a prophet, just so you know. God uses everyone. Okay, I thought I'd get a little amen from some people, but that's okay. So here's Anna, and she, that's what she starts doing. She says, this is it. He, this is him. This is the child. This is the Messiah. The son. He's going to take away the sins of the world. Jews and Gentiles, like, like she just starts preaching and bringing the word. This is the first gospel message to everyone. Anna's preaching to everyone, to all who were looking forward to the, what? The redemption of Jerusalem. This is what I want us to understand. All of these prophecies that we just read about, and all the prophecies you read through the whole Old Testament, every single one of them, Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the Messiah. All of them. I really only have a few points this morning. Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies. This should boggle your mind, right? If you've never studied all the prophecies in the Old Testament, um, I, I wish you would. Just, just spend a day, you know, spend an hour even, just looking at a few of the prophecies that, uh, that he had no control over, right? You think about how many of you in this room, have, um, <clears throat> when you were born, how many of you picked where you were born? Just show hands if you picked where you were born. None of us. We, don't, we can't pick that. You are born where you're born, right? How many of you picked your parents when you were born? No. They picked what they were going to do so that you could come into this earth, right? Like, you didn't pick your parents. That's not how it works, Right? We see um, these prophecies and even some of the most basic of prophecies of the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled them. There are actually over 300 messianic prophecies in Scripture. Second uh, Samuel 7 says that, it, that the Messiah was going to come from David's family, from David's lineage. Okay? So the lineage of David back even in the city of Bethlehem. It said where the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem in Micah, if you want to read that, um, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. That in Isaiah 7, 14, that the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. I mean, what's the likelihood of that happening? There's a process for birth. And yet the prophecy was, no, this child's going to come from a virgin birth. Well, that's like miraculous, Anna prophecy. How is that going to come true? How is that going to be fulfilled? 
Those are just three of the 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled that he had no play in making sure that those things happened, right? As, as, a, as a human, as a man, as a, as a baby, you don't pick those things. Those happen to you. Actually, I, you know, I've done studying this in the, in the past, and I've even preached on this in the past, that of these 300 messianic prophecies, the probability of somebody fulfilling all 300 is just ridiculous. It's actually super— Actually, the probability of just— of one person fulfilling just eight of the Old Testament prophecies, just eight of them, there was an MIT study done on the number of what it is. So fulfilling just eight of the prophecies, it's one in 100, and I think that's 100 trillion. One in 100 trillion chance um, for one person to fulfill just eight of the prophecies. And Jesus did way more than that. Just eight. Okay, you, you aren't impressed by this. Okay, so... Does anybody know Texas? Have you ever heard of Texas before? Yeah, okay. Have anybody ever been to Texas? Have you ever driven across Texas? No, okay. It, it, it's a big state, is it not? It's ginormous. They think they're their own country, right? That's Texas. Like, they're their own thing. Everything's bigger in Texas. So if you were to take seven, uh, or if you were to take um, 100 trillion silver dollars and lay them side by side over the state of Texas, to do it, you'd have to have two feet deep of silver dollars across the entire state of Texas. Are you with me? The probability of us blindfolding somebody and putting them in Dallas and saying, we put one silver dollar out there somewhere randomly that has a dot on it, and you're going to find it. Okay, unwrap, boom, cover, go. What's the likelihood of them finding that in the state of Texas? N Zero, right? Like, no, it's one in 100 trillion chance, right? They're not going to find it on their first pick. And yet Jesus fulfilled 300 plus prophecies, not even just the eight. Do you understand the probability of Old Testament prophecy for one person fulfilling all of that prophecy to be the Messiah, the Son of God? This is what Jesus did. This is what God did. Like, the number gets even more ridiculous. So, uh, this is in my notes, but I put it up on the screen. The probability of somebody fulfilling all of the prophecies is this. It's even 300. Just fulfilling 48 of the prophecies, it's 1 in 10 to the 157th. Do you see all those zeros? Just 48 of the prophecies. 300. I'm, I don't have a big enough screen, okay, to do 300. I don't, they don't even have a number for that, right? It's like, and Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy in the Old Testament of the Messiah. Don't miss what God has done. In the midst of busy and crazy and hustle and bustle and noise and whining and hurt and anger and family and frustrations and all this stuff that happens during the season, we don't want to miss this most precious, most powerful, most uh, just oh, the greatest gift in all of humanity, the Messiah was born for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it this season. Here is the fact. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. 
Simeon and Anna were waiting and waiting for this moment. And they got to be the first prophets, full of the Holy Spirit, to receive this gift and hold this child and to proclaim this is who he is. For all of us, a child has been given. He will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the Messiah. How will you respond? Will you just be indifferent? Well, it doesn't really bother me much either way. Will you be ignorant? Well, not after today. Will you be resistant? Is God calling you? Like, is he doing something in you? But you're like, you're like, you're, in, you're pushing away a gift that God is holding out to you. A gift is only a gift when it's received. If I got you the best gift for Christmas this week and you opened it on Christmas Day next Sunday, that's awesome. That's when a gift becomes a gift. When it's received and it's enjoyed. But if I gave you a gift and just sat under the tree and never got opened, just collected dust, what good is that gift? And that's not good at all. That's what a, when a gift becomes real is when we accept it. So my question is, would you accept that gift? Because it didn't end with a baby in a cradle. Some of you just know him as baby Jesus. He grew up to be a man. He ministered for three years and did a lot in three years <laughs> and showed us the kingdom of heaven. And then he, it's interesting, Mary and Joseph came to the temple to, to consecrate their child. And all they thought they could bring was two doves or two birds, but they didn't realize they had the lamb with them. The final sacrifice. Once and for all, Jesus, who in the end of his life did it on a cross to pay for our sin so that we could be forgiven. We could be right with God forever. We can have a relationship with him now and forever. He did it all. And that's the gift of Christmas. From the cradle to the cross. God, thank you for this reminder. Thank you for the reminder of what you've done for us this season. Oh God, forgive us, especially those who are Christians in the room. You know, just forgive us for being indifferent <clears throat> and not really thanking you properly during this season. Forgive us for being so distracted, for letting lesser things take prominent place in our life. And I thank you that the moment we ask for forgiveness, you give it. Thank you. Thank you for that, God. But this morning, I know that there are some who have either been ignorant or resistant towards what you've done for them. And I pray that right now you just be softening their heart. Would you soften their hearts, God? In a moment, we're going to take time, as, as Christ follows, we're going to take time to do communion. And communion for us as Christians is the reminder that, um, that Christ didn't stay a baby, but he died on the cross. It's the reminder from the cradle to the cross. It's a reminder of this gift of Messiah. And when Jesus was hanging on with his disciples right before he was arrested, he was in the upper room and they were celebrating Passover and Jesus changed Passover for all of us. 
so that he could be the one that lets sin pass over us. He became the third cup, the cup of redemption in the Passover, the one that wanted to redeem us. And he said, now take this cup. It's this cup, which was wine that they drank. We just do juice, by the way. But he said, this represents my blood, which is going to be poured out for you. And then they took the bread and they broke it. And he said, and this bread is my body, which will be broken for you. And he was preparing them for what he was going to do for them and what he's already done for us, the final sacrifice, the final perfect lamb who paid for our sins. And so when we take communion, it is a reminder during this Christmas season that he wasn't just a baby, he was a man, that he died. And not only did he die, he rose again. He conquered death itself so that we can have life and life to the full. We can have life eternally. We can be with him forever. And um, if you don't know Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now because I would ask if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you haven't made your own confession, communion is not for you, okay? And you, I, would, I would ask you kindly to sustain your seat um, as people come and take communion, and they won't judge you. They won't look down on you. We're not that kind of church, okay? So you need to be honest with where you are with Christ. But if you want Christ today, you can have that gift, and you can celebrate what he did for you. All you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, and he did this for you. That's it. And you can start this relationship today here. Those of you online, if you need to do this, sitting in your living room, I'm praying right now that God is just rushing into somebody's life in a real way and reminding and showing himself to you. So if that's you, just everybody right now, let's just, let's just bow our heads. If, if you want to do that, you can just pray to God. In your own words, you can just say this. You can just say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. He is my Savior. He died on the cross for my sins so that I could be right with you. And I know he's your son, and I know he came back to life three days later and conquered death so I could have life to the full. And so now I give you my life. I want to be yours now and forever. Enter into my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me up. I want to be yours. Lead me and guide me. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you've made that decision, if you have a relationship, you can join us in communion. Let me give you a couple instructions real quick. We have two tables up here up front. We have two tables in the back. The ushers are going to release you from the middle aisles. So wait until the ushers release you row by row. And you're going to come out the center aisle. Those of you up front, you're going to come to the front, grab the elements, and then circle back around your row, and then, and then take those elements. Take a moment with God first, and just take those as you feel led, thanking God for what he's done. And those of you kind of halfway back, you're going to circle to the back of the room, to those tables, and then you're going to do the same thing, circle back into your row as you do that. We use gluten-free bread. We use just regular juice so everybody can partake in communion. I would encourage you to use uh, the little squirt things, okay? <laughs> like we want to we want to spread Jesus, not germs, okay? Um, and so please, yeah, let's let's protect each other um, during the season. And, uh, and let this just be a reminder of what he's done. We're going to sing that song we sang a, a, a couple minutes ago.